You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, as the Bucks kick off a road trip with a win. It was a longer than a longer game than we hoped, but we got to a final result in the end, and we will touch on that. Before we do, the podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. And Frank, I, I don't have an Australian term for you today, but it is Melbourne Cup Day. I, I'm not sure whether you know much about that. It's essentially the Kentucky Derby of Australia, and everyone gets a day off work. And generally, there's a lot of barbecues, a lot of drinking beer, a lot of that sort of stuff, probably a lot of losing money as well. And I was thinking at some point after this game, I might go meet up with some friends and eat some food and have a few beers. And then uh, Rimgate happened and all my, all my plans have been thrown into chaos. I, was, I just said this to you before we started uh, recording, but when they wheeled out the, the spare basket and then that wasn't quite right as well, I thought there was a chance this game wasn't going to start. I just sort of, um, I was, I'm traveling. I had the game on my phone and, um, I normally on Mondays is when I watch uh, new episodes of, uh, HBO's Watchmen, which I'm really enjoying, uh, recommend giving that a look if people are, uh, looking for some, uh, a TV show to watch. Um, and so then I was just like, this is taking a while. Maybe I'll just start watching <laughs> Watchmen. And I got through like two thirds of an episode, which is an hour long before, uh, they finally sorted out the rim situation and you know the players came back out on the court and they had to go through warm-ups and it was you know they did they do intro they introduce do introductions after they fixed the rim it it felt like it was a long time post rim getting fixed even um so yeah it was a, a strange delayed start and um I, I guess the game in many ways was sort of befitting of of the strangeness that preceded <laughs> it because um a lot of very preseasonish uh, type weird sequences of miscommunication and mistiming and repeated layup misses, mainly by the Minnesota Timberwolves, who were uh, missing Carl Anthony Towns uh, in the second game of his suspension for that uh, fake fight he had with Joel Embiid last week. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, the Bucks had a, a clear advantage, obviously, in regards to uh, you know just the availability of. Uh, who was playing tonight and um, for whatever reason, you know, you never know exactly how uh, something like this, a disruption is going to impact the two teams, but um, the Bucks kind of jumped out quickly. 
Uh, Minnesota, to their credit, came back in the first quarter and they had it, you know, kind of close going into the, the early second quarter and, and for most of that second quarter. Um, but the Bucks, uh, on a very, on a befittingly very strange play to end the first half, they get a Giannis charge that gets uh, reviewed into a Giannis uh, and one uh, near the basically the buzzer of the second quarter. And um, that gave them a seven point lead at half. But then the third quarter, our our <laughs> the, the much vaunted third quarter that the good. Bucks have that the Bucks have struggled in so much. Um, no issues tonight. We mentioned I think yesterday they were shooting nineteen percent on threes in four, third quarters. Uh, I don't know what the numbers were today in the third quarter, but they outscore the uh, Timberwolves thirty eight to twenty five, uh, sending their lead to uh, twenty points going into the fourth quarter. And whole lot of Giannis doing whatever Giannis wanted. Eric Bledsoe doing mostly what Eric Bledsoe wanted and. Chris Middleton getting buckets as well, and and Dante DiVincenzo, uh, after a, missing a couple shots early, he played really well with 17 points of career high. So, uh, yeah, a strange game, but um, in a weird way, it, you know, you look at the box score, and with the exception of Dante, um, it, it felt like kind of your garden variety Bucks ass kicking in a lot of ways too, with huge advantage in the paints and the point. Um, both teams shooting a lot of threes. Uh, but ultimately the Bucks, you know, really dominating the inside and, and coming away with uh, what was ultimately a very easy win. Yeah, it was all up. It was a, it was a strange game. I think so many just kind of weird things happened in this game. And I, I think uh, before we get, so the Bucks end up winning 134-106 and Giannis, you already mentioned some general dominance from him again. And, and we did speak about this yesterday in the podcast that the Bucks haven't really taken advantage uh, of of teams that have been missing stars, so I'm not really sure, you know, how much Carl Anthony Towns impacts this game defensively for Minnesota. And really, that was where the Bucks were able to do their damage. You touched on points in the paint; they had uh, they finished with with 62, I believe, 62 yep. points in the paint uh, in, on the night. So, and and that really they set the tempo early with that uh, with Giannis being so dominant. Giannis has 34 points, 15 rebounds, six assists, and I kind of want to start with that weird sort of situation near halftime or right on halftime, really, because at the time the Bucks are leading 62-57, and really, I mean, this is a play for Giannis to even get to that position where he can have the the whistle blown. Anyway, it's just mind-blowing in itself with the amount of time that was left on the clock but in real time and this is this is something that i I don't know i mean to to be an official and have to make these real-time calls some of them you look and they look like a bad call straight out but again with with the the amount of force that Giannis is moving with and the speed uh he is getting up and down the court the charge call is is a really tough one to make and the initial review was just to see whether the contact actually happened before the halftime buzzer. And then once it was determined that the whistle was, that's when Bud goes ahead and uses his challenge. And this was interesting challenge from Bud. And you tweeted actually that, that this might be something to, to look for moving forward. And I know last week or you know, at some point in the season, we've spoke a lot about the, the tactical approach of maybe using a challenge against Giannis to pick up a foul, but... I like the point you made. You tweeted out that potentially Bud goes the other way and says, hey, I'm going to save a foul on Giannis because a lot of these offensive foul calls, when you slow them down and you get the benefit of looking at a replay five or six times, you see that Giannis is pretty damn good at getting his body out of the way and not, and not really just squaring up a defender and hitting him straight in the chest. 
this one looked like it was going to be overturned. It was. And that, you know, was, I mean, it wasn't uh, sort of the be all and end all for the result of the game, but in terms of looking at that and seeing the result that that can have maybe in a game where it means a lot more, I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean that that I think could have been could have been sort of a sliding doors moment because I think it would have been I believe it would have been his third foul. Um, so you know it's one of those things. I mean, if Giannis comes out of halftime and picks up a fourth foul, maybe he has to go to the bench, um, and then maybe the game plays out a little bit differently. But instead, uh, instead of you know basically taking that five point lead to halftime, uh, Giannis gets the finish. Uh, which interestingly, he, the ball was in his hand with. 0.2 seconds left so he did not beat the buzzer technically but obviously if it's a foul then you know he can basically go to you know pass the buzzer essentially um on the continuation so it was strange and to make even matters more confusing he misses the free throw <laughs> and then nobody does anything because all the players were acting as though it was a two-shot foul um and so the clock actually doesn't stop and then Giannis like tries to hand the ball to the ref and then like realizes that oh crap the, the this is a an and one and then like just throws the ball up and banks it in and the refs at that point were like all right we screwed that up but whatever like let's just go to halftime and <laughs> get, get on with this because we've been standing around you know reviewing stuff and waiting for baskets to get fixed all game all day and night anyway let's just move on but uh but yeah you never know right i mean just small plays can can make a difference we saw on opening night uh mike d'antoni i think very wisely used uh, a challenge to get a, a charge a block uh, on PJ Tucker correctly I think turned into a charge on Giannis that was Giannis's second foul and um, forced him out of the game in the first quarter right and, and at the time that seemed like a huge obviously a huge play for uh, for the Rockets in terms of getting Giannis out of the game I imagine we will probably see uh, coaches you know, again, if they really think about it, I don't know how much they're going to think about it kind of game to game. Um, but against uh, the Bucks, I mean, trying to, you know, maybe uh, get a, a block reversed into a charge on Giannis and get him into foul trouble, given his the issues he's had with fouls. That's a pretty smart thing. But, you know, like you're saying, I think the flip side is also true. Um, if you're Bud, you know, you think back to those those foul calls that Giannis fouled out on in those first two games probably wish he had saved his, his challenges for those, um, you know, and, and nothing more important than keeping Giannis available. And in this game, um, you know, not just a foul on Giannis, but ends up giving you two points as well. So an interesting little kind of, you know, flip the, the momentum type play at the end of uh, that first half in which the Wolves had sort of stuck around and kind of in spite of themselves. Um, the Bucks did not uh, shoot well from three in the first half. So it was again, a little bit of a role reversal Bucks struggling to shoot early and then kind of really finding their legs in that third quarter. Although the Bucks won every quarter tonight, interestingly enough. So, you know, we've, I think we've had probably lots of, we'll, we'll see more of that. And, you know, again, was not domination from, from the opening tip tonight, but um, certainly a pretty consistent effort. They never really um, looked that bothered. It never looked like Minnesota was really taking it to them. Um, Minnesota, they had a couple streaks where they hit some threes. Um, they hit some floaters, you know, kind of against the Bucks sagging uh, zone drop scheme. But, you know, you mentioned 62 points in the paint for the Bucks, just 38 for the Wolves. Um, obviously, you know, that, that kind of differential that we saw so much last year, uh, we've now seen it three games in a row for the Bucks, which is very encouraging, right? Seeing that balance between three-point shooting and two-point shooting. Bucks 14 out of 39 on threes tonight, 36%. Uh, a, a bit gun shy, only 39 threes tonight, 
Um, Minnesota 13 out of 43. So plus nine or sorry, plus three uh, from three point range and then plus 24 in the paint. So huge, uh, huge uh, upside there in terms of uh, paint, paint points. And, you know, again, I always like to look at that two point percentage differential and buck 67% on twos tonight, uh, Minnesota 40%, right? And, and you see that so often the bucks in the kind of 50 to 60% range on twos and opponents in like the low forties, high thirties, things like that. And, and again, that's just what is so, uh, so impressive about the bucks defense. They're now uh, allowing 35 points in the paint per game uh, on the season. They were at 40 last year. So again, I, we kind of talked about it last night. Um, they are only getting better so far this year in terms of choking off uh, the paint from opponents, which obviously is, is very important. And, um, on the flip side, you know, as we were saying yesterday, nice to see them starting to uh, to do a little bit more of their own damage in the paint on the other end. This tonight, a season high with 62 points in the paint. Yeah, it was kind of the the anti, uh, you know, Bucks offense compared to what we've seen certainly in the first week and a half. When you look at the fact that uh, we already touched on the lead, the Bucks had a seven-point lead. It did feel like it could have been a little bit more than that, but mm-hmm. I thought I thought that the real positive about that was that they weren't shooting well from three, and yep. that has not been the case with this Bucks team. Every time they've had these big leads at halftime, it's generally been because they're they're shooting the lights out from the outside, and the problems start to to happen when that drops away. But just uh, five for eighteen at halftime from three, but the thirty-six points in the paint—that's why they had the lead. And when you talk about the shots that they're forcing the opposition to have and the, and the way that they are protecting the paint on their own end, we've already spoke about how you're going to go on runs shooting from the outside. And it felt like the three-point shot was sort of keeping the, the Wolves within reach there in the first half. The fact that the Bucks then started the third quarter shooting the three well, uh, I think really, really blew that open and Although it did get a little bit sloppy late in the third, and, and that was, again, when, when the bench unit came on. And, well, funnily enough, the guy that probably made the scoreboard look a little bit better than it should have was Dante DiVincenzo with a couple of late threes in the third quarter. He had a career high, 17 points. Yeah. Uh, st- still shooting well, three for four from three uh, in just 20 minutes and got seven rebounds as well, which is something that, is becoming pretty typical with him. He, he goes pretty hard on the glass. But I thought that it was notable. And, and just as we sort of keep our eye on, on the rotation and what might happen, and we discussed about the back-to-back and what that meant for Dante and what was going to happen uh, moving forward in this road trip when they're not playing back-to-backs um, to, to start here, Dante wanted the first off the bench. And he didn't really have a great start. He, he missed a three, which fine, that's going to happen. It was a pretty quick trigger there. But then he took a long two. And then he turned the ball over and taking long twos and turning the ball over is probably going to get you off the court pretty quickly yeah. with Bud. And, and he did get hooked, but uh, he came back out and, and, and played really well again for the third night in a row. And it would seem that you can be pretty sure that he's going to stay in the rotation for at least the, the foreseeable future based on these, on these three games and the way he's played. Yeah, I, I don't know how you can cannot continue to give him run with uh, the way he's playing. And again, we've I mean, it's something we talked about last year that he's a guy who it does feel like he can impact games positively, even when he's not making his jump shots. Which yeah. unfortunately last year was most of the time the jump shot was not falling, and and still seemed to 
again, just with his movement, uh, his off-ball work, as well as uh, just his willingness to pass, make decisions quickly. Um, you know, defensively, he's just sort of a pest. He's kind of around the ball. Um, again, not necessarily a, a locking anybody down defensively. I still think I think he's a guy who I think could could be doing better getting over screens. I think he's got the physique and kind of mentality uh, to be very good in that regard. Um, you know, Eric, Eric, friend Eric name wrote uh, an interesting article, kind of a Q and a with him. I think it was last week, um, which I thought was very revealing, which had a lot of tidbits. I had, I had no knowledge of, including the relationship he has with Eric Bledsoe and how Bledsoe has really taken him under his wing. And, and last year when he got hurt, uh, how Bledsoe made sure that, that they watched film together. And then, uh, a bit too on, on sort of the more kind of, uh, comedic um, old vet and young rook relationship he has with George Hill. Um, so I think, again, interesting for Dante to be playing with those guys, to have a relationship that he does with those guys. Cause certainly I think those guys, um, you know, I think can, can, can probably continue to teach him how to, how to improve defensively. Uh, and, uh, but, but look, as we've said, I mean, Eric and I said it in the summer, uh, we said it going back last year when, when he had struggles during the season. I mean, if you if he shoots, he's going to play, and he might shoot even if he doesn't play. And obviously, when he's when he's connecting from three the way he has been, um, I mean, you got to put him on the court. You got to find ways to get him in the game. And uh, you know, again, is is this um, really a sign that he has figured out his jump shot and and he's going to just be a, a good three point shooter from here on out? I don't know. I mean, he's currently above your your Ursan over under uh, for three point <laughs> shooting. I think um, so. I, th- there's no way he's going to shoot. You know, whatever he's sh- <laughs> whatever he's shooting sixty percent or whatever he's shooting right now from three. Um, he's not going to be that good forever. Uh, but again, if he can just be in the mid to high thirties, I mean, you know, especially with the volume with which he shoots, uh, that would be make him make him just a huge positive um, offensively in addition to kind of all the, uh, all the other things he does. So really fun to see him stepping up. Um, you know, I think you look at the Bucks guard rotation. I, I tweeted out a poll yesterday and asked, you know, if people could choose just one guy to start at shooting guard the rest of the year, uh, including the playoffs, who would you want to be that guy? And, um, again, there's obviously a lot of recency bias, I think, in this because this was after uh, you know Dante had had a couple of very good games. Uh, but I think Dante was the kind of runaway winner with over 40% over uh, Wes Matthews, Pat Connaughton. Uh, oh, and Sterling. Um, and so uh, you know, look, I I don't I don't know if I'm I don't know if I think yeah, I think he needs to like start immediately. I mean, Dante was a six man even in college, right? <laughs> right. So he's he's very comfortable being a six man. In a lot of ways, I kind of like him coming off the bench, especially uh, as Bud continues to run these like all bench units uh, in both the first and second halves for whatever reason, which I'm I'm not a fan of. So um, I think you need probably Dante's energy and and sort of his his um, movement and and abilities uh, if you're going to continue to play those lineups. But uh, either way, uh, he's got to be continuing to play and. Again, at some point he's going to have you know an over five three point night, and uh, you know that's fine. That'll happen. But I think again, you just hope that he continues to um, stick with it, show his confidence, which has has never really been a problem. And obviously, if you know, I, I don't know exactly how good he can be this year, um, but you know, I think you look at those guys uh, who I just mentioned. Um, you know, we know what uh, we know what Wes Matthews is at this point of his career. You know, I tweeted out earlier today. I mean, he's he's much more a, a Tony Snell replacement than a Malcolm Brogdon replacement, right? Which isn't, isn't meant as an insult. Um, 
Well, and it was just a it was to snail season actually. I, well, I, yes, there there were yeah <laughs> the, the, to to the Tony Snell uh, faithful um, maybe maybe a little bit, but uh, but you know I think Dante has a dynamism to his game that that those other guys don't have right. Yeah. And again, it's not to say those guys don't have roles, um, but they don't have none of those guys have the ball skills that that I think Dante has. And obviously, if if he's hitting shots uh, and doing things, and we saw some creative finishes from him tonight as well. Uh, it just, you know, again, I think the Bucks. I, I don't know. I don't want to overstate it, but I think it does potentially. Again, I think the range of outcomes on what Dante is this year, if he stays healthy in particular and, and shoots a decent number, I think it does change the ceiling of this team in a tangible way um, and, and does make you feel a lot better about, you know, kind of how good they can be in the playoffs if, uh, if he is – playing at kind of something like the level he is right now, even, even allowing for, for some regression from three. I I agree. I mean, when you look at this team and this was something we we spoke a little bit about through the season last year, and, and it's probably something that I still thought when I looked at this roster, you're like, yeah, this is pretty deep, but is there a guy in the second unit that can really get you points quickly? And maybe, you know, on, on, on any given night, one of these guys can get hot. We've already seen Pat Connor and have a good shooting night. Like, that can happen. But Dante's got sort of that bench scoring. I mean, he, he's got defensive, uh, you know, ability as well, which I think is, is the exciting thing about it. But, you know, you saw tonight, he can get you 17 points in 20 minutes. Against Orlando, he got 14 in, in around 16, 17 minutes, I think it was. So... Yeah, I mean, he has to be shooting well for, for that to happen. And, and the shot still remains the, the big question mark for him uh, outside of this small little sample size. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a real role for him and, and not just a role, but a, a need. Like, I think the Bucks need a guy like him if he can become that consistent contributor. But I'm on West Matthews' watch a little bit. And we've spoke about him as a starter. And I, I did see that poll and certainly... Dante DiVincenzo, the, the the fan base for Dante is is really in full voice right now in, in terms of uh, they want to see him start. But, you know, again, tonight I, I look at Wes and he's not going to do anything crazy. And I, I, you're not going to see him really. I mean, I'd be surprised if, if he goes off for a 20 or 25 point night at some point this season because I just don't think he's going to take that many shots. He's sort of just there. He's playing solid defense at the moment. I thought he was okay. He was, he was sort of matched up with Wiggins a little bit there tonight. And and he's a respectable defender, even at his age. And when you look at his line tonight, two for four from three, yeah, he only gets you eight points. But I thought he was fine and, and a plus 29 on, on the box score. So, you know, it's not like I, I'm not feeling like at the moment with the starters, Wes Matthews is bringing that group down. Um, so it's going to be something to watch. He does have to hit the threes. It's certainly noticeable over those last couple of games when he wasn't shooting the ball well. Then you're like, well, okay. If that continues, then then you would you would question that. But if West continues to hit the threes and, and play solid defense, then I'm still kind of fine with him uh, in in that starting group. I, I don't know whether there's a a real need to to sort of change that up because, as you mentioned, also when Bud and I don't know, I don't really know why. He seems to be doing this with the full like five out change uh, uh, on the bench and going to the full bench mob. But that's when the offense looks a little bit sketchy, you know, at times, even today in the third quarter. So it's like, okay, well, maybe, you know, in in those groups, you want someone like Dante. And it's not always going to work again if he's not shooting the ball well. But we saw tonight that he can sort of bail out a group like that and get some points in ways that maybe Wes isn't going to get you at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, I mean, the, the, the I think the Bucks were up 90 to 69 at one point. Um, you know, Giannis was kind of doing whatever he wanted. Uh, then he goes to the bench and Bud comes out with this group that was, I think it was DiVincenzo, Hill, uh, probably Pat, Urson, yeah. and yeah. Rolo, I yeah. think. Um, so, yeah, this kind of, you know, I, I half-jokingly referred to it as the checking line, which um, I don't know how much you follow hockey, Kane, but, um, you know, the checking lines are sort of the, the all-defensive kind of tough guy lineups you, you just put against the, the other team's good line. that you're, So, you, you know, there's no illusion that that line is going to score a goal or anything like that. They're just out there <laughs> to kind of muck it up and do that. Unfortunately, that doesn't really translate into how basketball is played. Uh, and, you know, in this case, uh, you put a group out there that, um, you know, again, really kind of got bailed out. Dante hits a couple threes to end the third quarter which kept, uh, you know, the, yeah. the Wolves kind of at bay and, and kept, kept the Bucks with a very comfortable lead heading into the fourth quarter. But, um, you know, and again, not that I was necessarily really worried about the Bucks kind of blowing this lead, uh, even though they obviously have had plenty of issues in that regard. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was ugly. I mean, and, and, and again, you have a, a bunch of role players who are used to kind of, you know, playing in, in the orbit of Giannis and to a lesser extent, Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe. And then uh, when they're out there with, with none of those guys, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a struggle. And I think it's actually a very good opportunity for a guy like Dante, who is not bashful and shows initiative and, you know, kind of is, is always willing to kind of do his thing, make decisions quickly um, opportunity for him to, to make plays. So, yeah, I mean, weirdly, I mean, I, I was not a fan of the kind of Brogdon plus bench lineups that, that actually had, you know, were not bad last year. Uh, we saw them a fair bit, um, and now sort of like nobody plus bench is uh, is maybe a bit more concerning. Uh, but I, I don't know. Maybe these are going to be the Dante plus bench lineups that we're that we're going to get used to. I don't know. Uh, I personally think you got to go out there and and try to um, try to stagger Bledsoe, Middleton, and, and Giannis better so that they're not always playing together, and then uh, and then you know none of them are on their court for extended periods, but. Um, you know, I guess, guess we'll kind of see, see how that, uh, how that evolves over time. But, um, but yeah, I, and my thought on Wes, um, I have been actually, the thing that probably surprised me most was, uh, you know, he, he had 14 points on 50% or better shooting in each of the first three games. And you're thinking, wow, you know, and he had some yeah. pretty good defensive efforts, especially against the Rockets. And then, wow. Okay. Like, I guess, you know, he's, he's, gonna get his shots up and use that Giannis gravity to you know do kind of Wes Matthews thing and, and whatever um and then like the last few games he's been really just completely kind of absent he was one out of eight uh against the Celtics and then uh in those other games he really hasn't even shot gotten shots up which is kind of what's surprising and t- tonight um, you know, a couple, I think a couple of those baskets came kind of late. I think the, one of his threes came in garbage time. Um, so during the part of the game that kind of mattered, he again, just really didn't get shots up, you know? And again, it was, it was very Tony Snell like, right. I mean, that was always the thing with Tony, like some nights he'll have, you know, 13 points on, you know, five or six shots and hit a few threes and, you know, run the Giannis handoff play and all that. And you think, ah, Tony Snell, what a great little, you know, role player kind of just fits in, knows his role. And with Wes, um, but but then obviously Tony also had those games where it's like he takes one shot and doesn't score. And there were a lot of those, uh, at least it felt like. And with Wes, I always think of him as being the guy who, I mean, Wes is always going to get his shots up. 
Uh, but tonight, um, you know, it scored a little bit more in that like kind of Tony Snell mode. Um, and, and again, our team's very aware of his three-point shooting. And do they defend him to shoot? Yes. So, I mean, there's some value to, to him being out there, even if he's not getting shots up. Um, but I think it is worth kind of monitoring, you know, if, uh, if, if he does, you know, go through a prolonged slump or something like that, um, you know, I think what, what exactly happens to him. I, I think the good news is you can always just, even if he continues to start, you just flex his minutes down, right? Um, you know, we've seen George Hill close games. Uh, I don't think Wes Matthews deserves any type of monopoly on, on closing lineups at the shooting guard spot. I don't no. think he's shown enough to do that. So um, certainly whatever Dante can do to, uh, you know, to give uh, competition for that, I think that's that's a positive. And, you know, hopefully Matthews uh, gets his jumper back and, and gets a little bit more rhythm shooting the ball uh, moving forward. But uh, certainly, you know, Dante kind of playing the way he has is nothing, nothing but positive overall. And, um, you know, for him to do that on a night when Bledsoe had his best game of the season, continued his sort of general upward momentum in terms of his play, and Chris Middleton also shot the ball well. I mean, that's that's how you put up a 120 offensive rating with, uh, with you know, four guys playing at a really high level and, and other guys sort of just fitting around that. Yeah, and uh, a positive for, for Wes, just one last thought on him is, and I, I've mentioned this before, I, I think, with you, that when I was speaking to uh, Pacers fans you know, about Wes Matthews, they were kind of like, well, geez, have fun with that guy. When I would say, uh, yeah, he's going to be playing the fifth starters role, it'll be fine. He would, he would just shoot open threes. It's, he's not going to be you know, taking over the offense. And they're like, yeah, you think that until he gets the ball in his hands. Like, this guy... Does, does not pass the ball. He still thinks he's the number one man. And I was like, come on. I didn't think he's going to come to Milwaukee and do that. So he certainly hasn't. I mean, yeah, at times maybe he he, he gets lost a little bit there and, and he's just out there, just a body out there on offense. But he's certainly not looking to take over the offense, which I, I think is, is, I guess, a positive if you're looking for anything there. But yeah, Bledsoe. I mean, I, I do. I think we should touch on him before we, we, we look to wrap it up because... We spoke so much about him and, and uh, sort of been questioning, oh, well, what's going to happen here? How much of the ribs are a problem? What should we expect from Bledsoe in this regular season? And then naturally, the contract is, is a part of that conversation. But yeah, when, when you go back to the weekend and now tonight, this is uh, a really, really positive little stretch from him. And maybe it's just as simple as he's feeling good. And he's not sore anymore. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know whether. You, I mean, we're, we're never really going to know whether that is the case. But it could be that simple. He came into the season under an injury cloud. He missed the last couple of preseason games there. Maybe he needed to get a little bit of uh, game shape back in him there, and and needed to to feel healthy. But twenty two points, nine rebounds, six assists, and just looked, you know, particularly to start the game, eleven points in the first six minutes. Look like regular season Bledsoe from last year, or certainly a lot more like what we got used to seeing. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. I I remember back during the Brandon Jennings era. Um, you know, Jennings always had that reputation of being so quick, right? Oh, he's so quick with the ball, and I always remember being frustrated that like he's so quick, but it doesn't seem like he can ever get to the rim to finish. And obviously, finishing at the rim is is more than just pure quickness. It's also craftiness and strength and, and kind of, you know, again, it's not, it's not a one dimensional type type thing. Um, but with blood. So, I mean, and we've seen it now going on, this is third year with, with the bucks, um, you know, his ability to 
uh, you know, just take that explosive first step and then, you know, he's strong, he's explosive, uh, get to the rim with ease. And now obviously he's playing with a lot of space afforded by, you know, having a Brooke Lopez and Ursan and, and the other guys that, that the Bucks use to spread the floor around him. Um, it's, it's really fun to watch when he is, you know, playing with confidence because I think we saw tonight, you know, he was just causing all sorts of problems, just being able to get to the rim and, and finish and, and be able to do Eric Bledsoe type things. So, um, so yeah, I think it was just generally, I mean, him just looking confident and, you know, six assists, nine rebounds, um, you know, he kind of, you know, again, I'm, I've never been a big Jeff Teague fan. Um, I think, you know, people were asking about what could the Bucks do with Bledsoe mm-hmm. trade wise if, uh, if things got really bad. I mean, there's a bunch of kind of like mediocre point guards like a Jeff Teague who are expiring and in sort of a similar salary range. You know, I think what we saw tonight, I mean, Jeff Teague hit some floaters, didn't take a single three-pointer, um, you know, versus Bledsoe who just kind of, you know, basically blasted by him at every turn. Um, you know, I think, again, we saw it tonight. Like when Eric Bledsoe was right, um, this is why he's a good player. This is why the Bucks wanted to extend him last last spring before, before it got to the summer. And, uh, you know, you can't answer playoff questions in, in November as we've, uh, you know, unfortunately had to acknowledge a number of times, but um, seeing him playing now, you know, with increasing confidence and putting stringing together multiple games where he's looking more like the old blood. So he's not shooting the ball uh, particularly well from the outside, obviously at this point, uh, one for four from three tonight, I think it was, but um, you know, again, hitting some jump shots and, and just generally playing, playing a, a really kind of positive floor game. I think overall, um, creating shots for others, pairing well with Giannis and, and, you know, just generally being a, a positive player out there. And obviously we know what he can do on both ends. I w- yeah. I was thinking about the, the Teague sort of situation because I, I, I mean, Teague obviously uh, over the years has been a guy that's been linked to the Bucks and, and yeah, even this year, I know when that his name has been thrown up by, you know, fans and you see it on Twitter every now and then. And when you're looking at the point guard, sort of pecking order I, I guess you know Teague is in that mid-range of if you are really desperate for a trade he probably is in that sort of range of a guy that you're looking to get back but yeah we saw tonight and it was kind of interesting that Bledsoe has been a guy even last year there was times where you felt that uh, this guy kind of needs to be motivated and he gets up for the for the really big matchups, whether it's Lillard or or Curry or Harden. Obviously, we've seen. And then you know he might play against a Jeff Teague, and he sort of just goes through the motions, and he doesn't do a lot. But we saw tonight that when Bledsoe is locked in and and playing aggressive, I mean he's a, he's a, he's a much better player than Jeff Teague. Like they're yeah. not they're not on the yeah. same level. And and that was just the the noticeable thing to me, even when you. You know, you go through the bad stretch of Bledsoe, or he has a bad night. I mean, that that is why people say that this this contract is actually very, very good value. And like you said, you can't answer the questions that in in November that we're we're not going to find out again, which is the scary thing. Like I understand that, but that's why the number for Bledsoe uh, is a pretty good one if he continues to play the way he did tonight. But I don't know. You got any uh, got any final things to wrap up here? You did touch on Middleton, I guess. You know, it's hard. We haven't spoke about Middleton a lot, but again, it's just a night where he just accumulates points through the night. He he picks up rebounds. He dishes out a couple of nice assists. Finishes with twenty six points on fifteen shots. I mean, that just that's been the way for Middleton through the start of the season. Uh, you just get to the end of the night, and he's had another another pretty pretty nice uh, evening. 
Yeah, he had <laughs> unfortunately the first from the I mean he got off to a solid start uh in the first quarter along with Giannis and and Bledsoe. Um the, for some reason the player remember from that first half was just a really terrible decision in the final minute him throwing like a really lazy cross court pass that got yeah. intercepted. Um, which ultimately, I guess, was okay because it led to uh, Giannis getting a rebound and, and getting that that last second basket that we discussed. But uh, but yeah, he you know him and Giannis. I mean, they they kind of in that third quarter um, they had a, a you know no problem kind of getting getting to good spots. Chris hit a couple threes. Um, one of them was actually an interesting play. Uh, you know, we talked about yesterday how. The Bucks, when Giannis has the ball, oftentimes they are sort of in predictable spots so that Giannis knows kind of where people are going to be. Um, but the interesting thing was there was a play where I think Middleton fed Giannis sort of at the elbow, if I recall correctly. And then Wes Matthews was in the corner. So they were all sort of on the left side of the, the court. And then Wes Matthews um, came up and actually set a screen for Middleton to go to the corner as Giannis was kind of driving. And then Giannis found Chris in the corner for a wide open three. So it was a good example of, you know, an off ball action that, uh, you know, with Giannis having the ball, and it was a pretty simple one, but, you know, Wes Matthews, I think smartly as a veteran, uh, you know, sees Chris, uh, sees Giannis and says, Hey, let's run this quick little action. Um, gets Chris open for wide open corner three. Giannis finds him, Chris nail. And, uh, you know, he later hit a kind of one of his like patented dribble up and transition, pull up, you know, sort of as, as he's leaning towards the basket a bit, uh, three pointers as well. Um, but yeah, just a very tidy night, you know, 26 points on 15 shots, used his size uh, when he had kind of smaller guys defending him in the post as, as Chris, uh, likes to do. And again, I mean, you know, on a night like this, um, when you get the performances that you got from, from kind of the, those mean main guys plus Dante, yeah, you're going to score a hundred, you know, a ton of points and 134 total points, 120 net offensive rating. Bucks are up to. I was just checking. Bucks are up to second in the league in uh, offensive rating. They are now 0.1 points behind the Miami Heat for the best net rating in the league. So uh, they're at, at plus 10.2 at the moment. So um, you know, again, kind of. You know, these these last few games, it's felt much more like uh, the Milwaukee Bucks doing kind of what they do. And I guess maybe before we wrap up, we, we've kind of talked about Giannis a little bit in the context of that that one play. Um, but again, just, just so we don't gloss over the ease with which Giannis uh, scores <laughs> 34 points tonight in 27 minutes, 15 rebounds, 6 assists. Um, defensively, no blocks or steals. He was defending Rocco, uh, Robert Covington. And then in the second half, he was defending Andrew Wiggins at points. So he was kind of defending, I would say, wing players a lot more, which, you know, sort of takes him probably out of the way he wants to play. You know, he's, he was having to go over screens m- much more than I think you'd normally like to see Giannis having to do. But uh, offensively, I don't know. It, it, <laughs> it felt like the Wolves strategy was – put smaller guys on Giannis and then have hit them just back up as he attacks. And uh, that didn't work out so well. There were a number of plays where Giannis, you know, was kind of going at them with speed. And the next thing you knew, Giannis was just yamming on their heads uh, in, in just sort of very typical Giannis, uh, you know, elastic man. Uh, what, what, who's, who's that? The fantastic four guy with the, the stretchy arms uh, that, that stretch Armstrong. Is that the guy? Uh, yeah, he, whatever that, whoever that guy is, it was, uh, we saw some of those moments from Giannis tonight. And, um, again, just was really fun to watch. The, 
I think it was uh, was it in the third quarter? I think he had a couple of jump shots in a row. Um, 0 for 3 from from deep, unfortunately. 5 for 9 from the free throw line. Another uh, very uneven performance. Or sorry, 6 of 11 from the foul line. Another uneven performance there. And um, I'll I'll leave you this quote, Kane, before you uh, offer any of your thoughts. But uh, our friend Eric asked Giannis uh, after the game if he noticed the crooked rim that, of course, uh, delayed the game. And Giannis said, quote, I was making shots, so I was happy. And then once they said the rim was crooked, I was like, oh, yeah. That's why I was making a lot of shots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh, well, yeah. I mean, nothing depresses me like Giannis missing free throws and jump shots, but um, at least I we got that that excellent quote out of it. Well, you know, he when he when he did come to Milwaukee, they were they were practicing out at, at the old facility, and I never actually got out there. Um, I'm sure I'm sure you're out there at some point, but from all the stories I heard from the old practice facility. Remember, Giannis was shooting pretty well uh, as a rookie, so uh, you know I can only assume that the the rims might have been uh, a little off kilter in uh, in in his early days, and uh, that's like I feel like now that's just something Giannis is going to he's going to think about. You know, he's the the rim being crooked. He needs the rim to be crooked for him to to make shots. Shoot those but, line drives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, actually, I was interested. I haven't seen the post game any of the post game stuff yet, but uh, it was reported that one of the Lopez brothers were were the ones to to point out the crooked rim. So we can we can thank them for the for the hour delay uh, f- <laughs> for this one. But yeah, I think. I think we better leave it there. Well, I better leave it there. I got to jump on with uh, with our friend Justin Garcia. But before I get to that, so before we wrap it up, Manscaped has supported this podcast again today. Manscaped is number one in men's below the belt grooming. Get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code Locked On at Manscaped.com. And it was uh, it was nice to start the road trip with a win, Frank, because this uh, this next game against the Clippers is probably the marquee matchup of, I, I mean, this is, I mean, obviously what people say could be a potential finals, finals matchup, but uh, this one's going to be pretty fun. Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, uh, no Paul George, he's, he's been out and I don't know how much longer he'll be out. It seemed like there's a good chance he might miss all in November coming back from the dual shoulder surgeries that, that he suffered. Um, so yeah, it's going to be Kawhi and obviously a, a very, I'd say talented, strong complimentary supporting cast there uh, that Doc Rivers has. And um, I think certainly a, a good litmus test early in the season here. And, um, you know, Bucks looked motivated to to take out the Raptors uh, on Saturday, given the, the way that they went out uh, in the East finals. And uh, hopefully the Bucks are uh, similarly motivated to take Kawhi out and beat Kawhi's new team uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, for better or worse, uh, the Bucks get a day off on Tuesday. Uh, I'm sure if the Bucks come out slowly, we will inevitably get the LA nightlife is undefeated uh, <laughs> comments. Um, so again, that's not great, but um, but yeah, that I think everybody, uh, you know, when when the Clippers signings happen this summer, I think it's certainly a game that everybody was going to look forward to. And uh, obviously, you know, you're happy to to catch them early in the season before Paul George comes back. Um, you know, especially in, in the road game between, between these two teams. So, uh, so yeah, I think it'll be a, a fun, uh, you know, again, kind of a fun litmus test uh, for for the the Bucks. I think it's interesting looking at their lineup. So they've been starting. Um, obviously, Lou Williams comes off the bench for them. Um, so they've been starting, I believe it's been uh, Pat Beverly, Landry Shamit, Kawhi Leonard, 
Um, Patrick Patterson, I believe, has been starting, and <laughs> yes. Ibiza Zubats. Um, so I'm I'm curious because certainly Zubats, you know, being out there, presumably to defend Brook Lopez. I don't know if Doc Rivers would put Ibiza Zubats on Giannis to keep him closer to the paint. Uh, I could certainly see it being a short night for for Zubats, just because it doesn't seem like a, an obvious kind of good matchup night for him, but. Um, It'll be interesting to see, you know, does he put Kawhi on, on Giannis? Because certainly if he does, uh, then you've got sort of some weird questions about, you know, okay, is Patrick Patterson defending Chris Middleton then? Like, you know, so I, definitely an interesting night um, as far as that. And certainly always, you know, again, we'll be curious to see how, how Bledsoe does um, facing off against Pat Beverly, the noted pest Pat Beverly. So, uh, so yeah, it should be fun. And, Again, I think that you know Bucks bench has has obviously shown some some very nice things of late uh, from Milwaukee. But uh, you look at what the Clippers can bring with you know Lou, but also Montrez Harrell and that combination. Um, you know, there's no let up when uh, when Doc goes to his bench. So uh, very likely you're going to have to be able to beat their starters to in order to beat the Clippers. And obviously Kawhi, we know what he can do. So um, yeah, very good test. But again, happy to get to be getting them. Uh, at this point before uh, before Paul George comes back. Yeah, you talk about uh, Dante DiVincenzo and bench scoring. I mean, he's going to get a, a pretty good look at uh, maybe the, maybe <laughs> the best in the business on, on Wednesday night and Lou Williams and obviously Montrez, you already mentioned as well. But we will leave it there. And the Bucks do move to five and two. They get uh, a nice little winning streak going here for the first time, which uh, is is a pretty good feeling. But... Yeah, they will move on. A couple of tough ones after after the Clippers, then it's the Jazz. But uh, Frank, it was uh, good to speak to you as always. Thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on with me. And I will be back tomorrow. I'm not sure. I'll probably have to talk to Frank. I'm not sure if he's going to be around tomorrow. But for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you tomorrow.